uh, we've dealt with a lot of things. Our goal was to look at those things that keep people from experiencing Christ. In other words, uh, the things that may be going on in your life that keep you from experiencing who Christ truly is. Because our desire is for you to grow close to the Lord, and He truly is the reason for this season. And so uh, we have done that. And uh, let me just kind of jump on that even now. As we wrap up this uh, month of December, it's crazy that 2017 is, is moving out. But uh, there, was a, there was a guy by the name of Isaac Watts. Many of you have heard of Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts uh, lived in uh, the late 1600s and 1700s of, uh, of our era, and he lived in England and uh, London area uh, specifically. I've had the opportunity to see his grave. It's uh, kind of interesting. It's right across from John Wesley's chapel there to be able to see that. But Isaac Watts kind of was a, a, a young man who was a little, I, I would probably say from my, what I'm reading from a historical perspective, may have been a little hyperactive. But uh, he would attend church with his parents. They would go to the Church of England. Worship of that day had become very stale and stoic and um, was not relevant at all, and he felt, and he, the, the way the story goes is he told his parents that uh, this church, the, the songs that are written today are boring and uh, he, he cannot relate, and it was a dead time in the Church of England, and so uh, from what history tells us, his dad says, well, if you can do better, you do something about it. How many times have you done that? Isaac Watts went on to write out of that an incredible hymn called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which is probably one of the greatest hymns ever written. Still, the lyrics today, you read it or sing it, man, it just penetrates the heart as we look upon the cross of Jesus Christ. But another song he wrote was a song called Joy to the World. And Joy to the World was written as he was reading through the scriptures in Psalm 98. It was not written as a Christmas song. It was written as a song of giving glory unto God because Psalm 98 talks about all of creation will exalt him as his kingdom comes in, in, into uh, 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 earth. And uh, we have taken that say, okay, let's look at that, and we turn it into a Christmas song, which is perfectly okay, but it was not written that way. And go read Psalm 98 sometimes. It will stir you, man, as you think about the ultimate coming of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But there's a line in Joy to the World called... Let every heart prepare him room. And I thought about that line, and I thought about, man, is that not a prayer we need in our day? Because we live in a very um, harried, fractured day when it comes to how we live life. I mean, uh, think about it this way. How many of us have blown our margins out of the water? You know what margins are. Margins were when you were a kid and they gave you that piece of paper and you would have that piece of paper. There would be a red line on each side. And you were not to, it wasn't a stop sign, but it, you didn't want to go much beyond the margin because it's like a book. If you go beyond the margins, it becomes very tiresome in, in your reading of that. And we live with certain margins. And in our culture today, we have blown those margins out. Case in point, the margin of your time Everybody has 168 hours in a week, but if you ask people if you have enough time, say, I just don't have enough time to get that done. I just don't have enough time. And, and I've said it before, it's easier to get $100 out of somebody than to get an hour because our time is so um, precious to us, and, and, it, and it's just the margins are blown out, so people are too busy. I mean, you've you got to admit it, you're just way too busy, and you're thinking, I don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to say no. We don't know how to prioritize, and thus we just get blown out of the water with, with 
chasing our kids, chasing job, chasing uh, church, chasing everything, and our margins of time are blown out. Margin of our finances. We live beyond our means. Uh, uh, when What happens in our day is that if we make more money, we extend it to live off of that money. So every month we live month to month, paycheck to paycheck, with all of these things, and we try to budget according to what we bring in as we spend on ourselves. And so what happens is is that our margins of us being able to use discretionary funds are just blown out of water because we're living beyond our margins. It's just the day we live in. Um, many of you heard the commercial we did on KLBJ about our Christmas Eve services that were on there. Jim Rowan and I went up there to went out uh, up to KLBJ to do the recording of that. I've done this before, but they they put you in a little room and you're you're reading. And I've got this script that we've written out. And I've had to scratch out different things. There's no way we can get that in 30 seconds. No way we can get that in 30 seconds. Finally, get down to what I think is as close to 30 seconds as we can possibly do. And uh, so I read that. It was just a little over 30 seconds, and I'm thinking, oh man, what are we going to do about that? She said, don't worry about it. She said, we got, we got that, we got it fine. You did fine. We'll make it work perfect. And what they do is they've recorded your voice on the computer. And what they do is every time you took a breath, they took it out. So what they've done is it sounds like I read for 30 straight seconds without taking a breath. But what they've done is they've just removed the breath that's there. I think we're living like that today. We're living lives that are so fast paced that we, we, we don't even take a breath. And we're tired all the time. We're exhausted all the time. And to come up and say, sing a song that says, let every heart prepare him room, especially as we're going into 2018, man, it seems kind of tiresome. Can we even do that? Despite the day that we have fast food and microwave ovens and instant coffee and everything that you can possibly do, those things that were supposed to give us more time, we seem to not have it. And so I want to talk to you just a couple of minutes on how can we prepare, not just to come to the Lord's table, but to enter into 2018 um, a little bit. And in Revelation chapter 4, if you want to look it up, you feel free to do so. Revelation, the last book in the, in the New Testament, the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 14 is where I want to go. So you can, you can find it, be on the screen for you. But I always encourage you to ch- take notes because I think there's some, some good stuff here. What happens is, is that uh, we know in the book of Revelation that there are seven letters that Jesus has written to seven churches in the area of Turkey uh, during that first century. And, uh, these are in a, in a vision that John has had, and each of these seven churches get a letter that's very specific from Jesus Christ to that particular church. One of those churches is called, in a town called Laodicea. Uh, just some things about Laodicea right quick before I read the scripture so it'll make sense to you, uh, because I see a lot of parallels between Laodicea of its day and the United States of our day. Because Laodicea was a very wealthy town. In fact, it was considered one of the wealthiest cities in that area of that day. And it was known for its banking. A lot of money came in to Laodicea. And so it was very wealthy. Number two is they dressed very elegantly for that day because they raised certain kind of sheep that had a black wool that was very fine and they would make clothes out of it, export it from there. And so it was very known for its clothing. So here they are. They're uptown in their money. They're uptown in their dress. And uh, there's another thing, a third thing about Laodicea. 
is that there was a medical school that developed in Laodicea, and it was known for the ointments that it came out with, both for the ears and for the eyes. They, and so it was known as a, a, a place of high medicinal value, and so it was, it was known for those things. So it was very wealthy, they dressed very nicely, and it was known for its uh, medicines. And uh, there was a whole lot of Jewish people that had relocated there. And many of them had come to Christ, and they had a church there in Laodicea. So wealthy, dressed nice, known for its medical. I mean, they were, they were the high cotton of the day. And uh, so I see a, I always, when I read the Scripture, see a lot of cultural relevance between that and their day and where we are in our day. Because let's be honest, um, our needs are very minimal compared to the rest of the world. Our affluence is what kills us. And so in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, let me just kind of draw your attention to a few things. It says this, to the angel, and you could circle that and write pastor in there because it's literally the messenger of the church there. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. Remember, I told you they're very wealthy. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Remember, I told you they prided themselves on their finances, on their clothing, and on their ointments of their eyes. And that's what Jesus says there. You say you're this way. But I want to tell you, in reality, you're blind and you're naked and you're poor. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So... Be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, I wish that you were either cold or hot but you're just lukewarm, and I'm going to throw you up out of my mouth. One of the problems that Laodicea had was unable to get water. Many people say they had to pipe their water for five miles just to get it there. Colossae had good, cool water. Excuse me, Corinth wasn't too far away. And Heropolis had very good hot baths that were there. But by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. They call it tepid. I mean, it it wasn't that good. You can just imagine if you want a cool glass of water and you get something lukewarm you want to spew it out of your mouth and that's what jesus is saying i wish you were the hot or cold because you're lukewarm i just want to throw you up and and there's three things that i see what had happened to the church at laodicea understand i think it's a warning to central and any church today first of all is they had lost their vigor they had lost their excitement they had lost their passion they had lost their zeal for christ they were just going through the motions. Oh, they had probably nice church buildings because they were, had money. They dressed very nicely. Their problems were minimal. Their affluence was killing them. And they lost their excitement. I would say that some of you can remember a time when you were a lot more excited about your spiritual walk than you are now. 
And I would venture to say what made you more excited is because you had to walk in faith because you had less than you have now. And with that less, you became more dependent on God. Thus, you saw him answer your prayers. So what you did is you made you want to step out in faith even more. But the more affluent we get, the less we're dependent upon God, the less we see him work, the less we need him, we just grow lukewarm. So they'd lost their vigor. Um, the second thing is that they had lost their values. We see that they started valuing those things of man instead of the things of God. And, and Jesus says, listen, you're poor, pitiful, blind, naked. This is the way you are. Their values had diminished. They had started to value the things of the flesh and the things of this world more than the things of God. And tell me if that's not what we're tempted to do today. They lost their values. Thirdly, they lost their vision. They, instead of pursuing Christ, they were pursuing, and, and Jesus himself said, you're blind, you can't see. You're not even seeing the truth. And, and here's the deal. He, he, he's trying to warn them to, to say, you've got blind spots that you don't see. Don't you hate blind spots? You know when you're driving in your car and you can't see that guy over there because he's in your blind spot, and the next thing you know, you try to do that. And, and in, our, in our car, my wife yells at me first, and then they honk at me. So she's quick about being able to do that. But you've got that blind spot there. And, and all of us have blind spots, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's pointing out those blind spots. You think you're something. What you are is, is you've let this affluence, affluence keep you from me. And then Jesus says, but here's the deal. I, I love this, first of all. He says, those I love, I rebuke. What he is saying is, listen, I love you. Despite what's going on in your life right now, even though you're lukewarm, I still love you. Some of us need to hear that today. Our faith has grown cold. We've grown, we've grown um, to a point of, of just apathetic in our faith, and we're thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm going to church. I'm doing this. But, man, as far as the fervor of my faith, it is not there. And so we need to know that Jesus loves you. He says, I love you. But the second thing he says this, those that I love, I rebuke. In other words, I take the scales off your eyes and I let you know that if you keep going that way, you're going to destroy yourself. I'm not going to destroy you. You're going to destroy yourself. And then he says this. He says, you need to repent. You need to repent. In other words, change your ways. Change your way of thinking and where you're at right now. Wake up, so to speak. Change your way of thinking. And then he says this, because I am standing at the door and I'm knocking and I'm knocking. Now, many people say, well, that's an evangelistic thing, that a person who's not a Christian, that Christ is knocking on their heart's door. True, you can look at it that way. That's not the way it was in Scripture. This is actually, he's talking to a church. But you can use that way because I really believe that. I believe that Christ draws you to himself. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're probably somewhere in the midst of our time together. The Holy Spirit is going to start drawing you towards him. Why, why, why can I say that with confidence? Because we pray for it. We pray for that to happen. Anybody that comes here that doesn't know Christ, because, listen, we can give you benevolence money. We can, give you, we can take care of you and give you all, tons, uh, all kinds of things, but you can still die and go to a Christless hell. We want you to know Jesus Christ. And so we pray about that. So I know that if you're here today and you're not a believer, God's drawing you to him. And so, but the truth of this is there's a church that has shut Jesus out. Did you know you can do that as a church? We can do that as Central. We can do all of our man-made stuff, do all of our good stuff, and shut Jesus out. 
And I think that's why the Lord's Supper is so important, is that we come back to renew our vows with Christ, to renew that and to come to Him afresh and anew. And that's what we want to do today. But this is what the Scripture says, is that you must respond. And it says this, first of all, is that you, you repent, you wake up, you see where you're at, you understand, you hear Him knocking on the door, and you open it up. You open it up. And, and, and I believe that that is so important. You know, I really pray that every time we gather together is that God moves in a tangible, real way. I don't want to come for a Bible study. Now, I have no problem with that. But I'm praying that God will transform and change lives. And so that's, that's what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears, I will come into him and will, and this is what the word says, I will dine with him. Now, we don't understand that, but a Jew understood that. They, they ate three meals a day. They, their breakfast would be just like bread. They'd just, it would eat bread. It would be simple. Their lunch would be simple. It may be just a little fish and bread. But dinner, whoa. Dinner was sit down with the family, process the day, fellowship, relax, let the day wash away. Let's just spend time together. That's why in the Jewish custom they would actually, believe me or not, lay down at the table you know, recline on an arm that, because they were there for the duration of most of the evening until they went to bed. That's how important that, that evening dinner was. That's the word that Jesus uses here in this letter. I will come in to him and dine with him. I want to spend fellowship with you, but you've got to open the door. Here's three quick questions that I want to ask you before you come to the table and you wrap up 2017, okay? First one is this. How's your fervor? How is your spiritual fervor? I mean, is there an energy there, an excitement, or are you just going through the motions? We're just going through the motions. I mean, how is your fervor for, for the Lord right now? And I, I just want you to think about that within yourself. And let me kind of give you some ways to think about it. Is there any hunger for the Word of God at all? I mean, I know that most of you in this room that I know personally, tomorrow's January 1 you're going to start some kind of a Bible reading program. And if you go Genesis to read all the way through about numbers, you're going to quit. But you, you need to hunger to be in God's Word. And, and I, if you are, do not have some kind of Bible reading plan, I said Bible reading plan, I don't mean just some devotional thought. I mean, if you need a Bible reading plan, go on Universion. They'll email it to you. They'll email you daily what you're supposed to read. Now tell me if that's not lazy. They'll, they will do that for you. Or somebody will text it to you. And all you've got to do is read it like an email. I mean, because that's what it is. God speaking to you. And so, but, but is there a hunger at all to hear from the Word of God? I believe reading the Word is part of your prayer time because it's God speaking to you. And so, is there a fervor for the Word of God? Number two is this. Is there, is there a fervor to serve? Because if His Spirit inhabits us, we, we ought to be servants. Servants at home, servants in the church, servants to our community in some way, way shape, or form. We ought to be servants. You know, I, I, I really like sports. I, I think you know that. And, uh, but you watch a football game, especially a pro football game today. They have a time at the beginning of the game where each guy comes on. It will have his name and his position, and he will say, I'm so-and-so, and I went to so-and-so university or, or whatever. And uh, each guy does that. I thought, you know, what if Central was a team? 
And each person's picture got up there. And you said, uh, whatever your name was, uh, where you may have came from, but what position would it put down there for you? What's your position? Spectator is not a position. How do you serve? I serve in the preschool ministry. I serve in the worship ministry. I serve in the youth ministry, kids ministry. I serve on the safety team. I serve on uh, usher team or whatever it may be. Uh, ladies ministry team, men's ministry, whatever. But what would you put? Is there a fervor to serve? One last one, and this one always convicts me. Is there a fervor? Is there a fervor to share your faith with other people? See, this one, this one gets to me um, because we're a great serving community basis kind of congregation. I guarantee you our community knows who Central is. And, and it's not because of our worship. It's not because of our preaching. It's not because of anything other than Central people serve this community. But sometimes we serve and we don't share. We can represent the hands and feet of Jesus, but are we willing to be that voice piece? You see, the early New Testament church, what they prayed for is, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. And when, when I think about that, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not casting stones. I'm thinking, gosh, have I not led well in that area to be bold verbally in that? So I ask you, is there a fervor there? I'm praying that 2018, we will get that boldness that God wants for us to have. So how's your fervor? That's that's number one. Number two question I ask for you is this. What needs to change going into 2018? What needs to change? Now, I don't want you to come up with a whole list because gyms love January 1st of any year. Because everybody starts paying a monthly fee, and they're going to quit in mid-February. So that's gyms do that. I'm not up here to say, okay, let's just... But I'm saying, what needs... I mean, right today, if you were saying, what needs to change? What needs to change with your time? Let's be honest. Time is the killer. We're chasing people. We're chasing stuff. We're chasing everything. And I realize your work is asking more and more of you, but yet you've got 168 hours that God has given you. What might need to change? What might need to What might you, this is terrible, what might you need to say no to? What needs to change with your time? What needs to change with your finances? And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, oh, you need to give more to the church. Um, I'm just saying, what needs to change? You know, where, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. What might need to change in your finances looking into 2018? Let me just share a a brief side note here. I am so grateful to you that we were able to faithfully retire our debt at Central this past year. Our current debt is is zero. But let me tell you a concern of mine. Is that we will rest our laurels on that and say, oh, look at us, we're debt free, and die. I'm serious. If we do not take seriously the Great Commission and we just rest our laurels on something we've done, we will die. And so, but yet, we've got to look at it. 2018, how do, how do we look at our, our finances in 2018? So I'm just asking you, what needs to change? No, nothing may need to change for you. And you're thinking, man, it's all good. 
Well, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just here to challenge you before we come to the table and give warnings. But here's the last thing. How's your fervor? What needs to change? And the last thing is this. What is it going to take for you to live a victorious life in 2018? Because Jesus said, I am victor, and the one who will live the victorious life will live it in me. So what's it going to take for you to live a life of victory in 2018? I, I mean, truly, as the winner. I, 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 I see many people who, who are believers in Jesus Christ but are living defeated lives. And, and, and I'm wondering, why is that? Why is there times that I don't feel like a winner, even though I am a winner? I, I battle through that. I, I, one more sports analogy, and I'll be through with it. Because of what I do, Sundays is a work day a lot of times, so I don't get to watch, especially the Cowboys, maybe the way they would want to. And, and, uh, and so what I would do is I would record the game, okay? And here's the deal about recording the game. You know the only time I'll rewatch that game is if they won. Why would I want to watch something they lose? And somebody says, do you really want to know the score? Yeah, I want to know the score. I want to know what's going on. Because if they won, I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to watch it with, with a watchability that lets me know I've got confidence that despite what's going on right now, I still win. But you know what I know about my walk with Jesus Christ? It's not dependent on my circumstances because I know that I've won. So whatever I'm going through right now, I don't have to worry about because I know eventually I'm going to be a victor. But what's going to allow me in 2018 to live a victorious life? Is it something I'm going to have to let go of? Abandon to? Is it something that I need to realize that Jesus is saying here that He is all I need? And I need to open the door. I'm going to ask Brett and the team to come up. And I, I want you just to bow your head with me just a moment. And, and we're just going to sing a song and then we're going to go right into the Lord's Supper. But I want to ask you, how's your fervor? I know some of you had a pitiful 2017. What you entered into January 1, 2017, you're hoping that this year will finally end. just wasn't like you'd drawn up. But yet, we're at the starting gate of a new year, and the Lord is saying this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come into him and dine with him. I will fellowship with him. Why don't you, before we come to the Lord's table, just some kind of mentally say, Lord, I open the door. I open the door right now. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Come into our church. Come into our, our surroundings, God, just to experience you, to fellowship with you.